Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to a Mockingjay Monday episode of Shelf Aware, and we are the champions, my friends, <laughs> and we'll keep on killing teens Absolutely. till yes, the yes. end. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. <laughs> this week on Shelf Aware, we are reading the last of the Hunger Games novels, that's been published and you might be thinking wow i'm so sad because we're done with hunger games well guess what guys this book was so chonky we had to divide into two episodes <laughs> and unlike with the twilight the last twilight episode we did where we split that into two um that was a surprise we decided while reading this slash when anna finished reading this that uh, we wanted to do two episodes on it um yeah because so i don't think em has finished reading this <laughs> i simply have not um, lucky so. no, i mean i mean it's good but like you didn't have to uh, read as much <laughs> uh, uh, I wanted my, my predictions for the next half no, to yeah. be, you know. I like that. I like, uh, that. I like knowing more. Covering <laughs> <laughs> secrets. Uh, yeah, so so we're covering up the first two parts of the Hunger Games. I don't think it's actually called the Hunger Games. The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, which is a, a Hunger Games novel. A Hunger Games novel. Um, a chonky Hunger Games novel where a lot of things happen. Yes. Uh, so we had talked before that we are fans of the Hunger Games from youth. Obviously, this one came out a bit Came Later out 2020, than the I others. think. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and neither of us had read it. Mm-hmm. Anna, mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't you want to read this book when it came out? I didn't want to read it when it came out in 2020 because I think at the time I was exhausted of, uh, you know, trying to um, humanize the villain. Like, I think mm. the Joker movie had either just come out or was about to come out. It was like a bunch of things like along those lines. I'm like, I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. Let's just let's just let bad people stay bad, you know. Yeah. And I mean, um, also like 2020. Also 2020, yeah. Was, you know, there was so, I didn't necessarily want to read about any president at that point because it's very just true. Kind of bad connotations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, <laughs> a bold novel to publish in 2020 about a corrupt president. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, and then and then I don't know. I just kind of like. It fell off their radar really quickly mm-hmm. for like the book circles online that I frequent. So like I just forgot about it entirely until the movie trailers. And I was like, oh, they got me. They got me with that trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to read the book. Why? Yeah. And you kind of talked about it. Well, you didn't want to read it. Is there any more reasons why you never picked it up? Um, I think also it just is because I am a bit older than I was when I read The Hunger Games. Oh, very true that too. Yeah. I think that uh, since we talked about like I read The Hunger Games and I didn't really revisit them in like until this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I remembered them being a lot more romancy than they were just because YA, right? So I uh-huh. was like kind of thinking it was going to be YA romance. And I don't know if this holds true for the other parts of the book, but definitely the first two, that's not the vibe to me. Um, but I think I kind of like assumed it would be and just didn't want to deal with it. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, hard it wasn't... To, it's hard to be in the mood to pick up a YA novel for mm-hmm. me anymore. Like I've, I feel like I've fully like moved on from that phase of my reading and that's fine. Like I am well past young adult. You could just call me regular adult now, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we even qualify as new anymore. No, definitely like more solid adult. <laughs> solid, like yeah, adult. Not even adult in my prime. I don't know. I don't know what I am now. <laughs> just, just regular adult. Just adult. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's hard, especially when you're revisiting 
Uh, you never know uh, if something is going to, if you're going to enjoy it the same way you enjoyed it the first time. Is, is this going to be what ruins your memories of the Hunger Games if you are someone who enjoyed them the first time around or had like a strong affinity for them? And um, so it, it's always, it's always, um, it's always a gamble. But I think that this one in particular paid off. I really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and going back to my reason for not wanting to read it because I thought it was going to try and like humanize a bad guy. This felt more to me like you're watching him. Like you, I don't feel bad like for, for snow at all in this. Like he's definitely like a shit guy. He's not mm-hmm. a cool, he's not cool at all. He has his moments where you're like, wow, that would really suck to grow up that way. But then like he'll say or think or do something and you're like, that wasn't the way to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that, at least from what I've read so far, um, I feel like if this had been a book in which it wasn't clear necessarily that this was the President Snow from the first series, um, and it was trying to play it off as like a twist at the end, like his name was yeah. something else and then he changes it to Snow or whatever. Like, I think then I would be um, very annoyed. But I think, like, most people reading this have the context that he is a bad person from the Hunger Games series. And I think that, like, yes, it is very obvious that you, like, there's there's something to be said about why do bad people become bad, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't think that this book is trying to excuse his later actions. Now, I haven't read the end. Yeah. And it kind of, like, we'll get to it when we get there, but, like, Mm -hmm. I've kind of got, like, three potential paths it could go down, and I feel Mm -hmm. like two of them would sort of be a problem for me, and the third one would be, like, yeah, okay, this is doing what it set out to do Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so we'll see we'll see how i feel when i get to the end of it but so far i'm like yeah i don't i don't necessarily sympathize with him yeah Um, there are some things that happen to him you're like wow that sucks yeah i'm sorry that that happened to you and i certainly to me this is reading more it's weird because it's almost reading like a historical fiction set in the real world right like that feeling of like oh I know how this is going to go and so it's interesting to see how the pieces fall into place right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. obviously it's a made up world so it's weird but it's that same sort of like enjoyment if you like reading you know historical fiction about uh you know people who aren't necessarily great people um Mm -hmm. then I think that this is uh would be interesting in that same way yeah I, and I think uh, a lot of I, a lot of people that read this book and that didn't like it, I think, were very surprised by the tone of it because mm-hmm. Snow is such an unlikable person. And this and this novel is like more introspective, I think, than like this. Here's a plucky 18 year old girl that we're all rooting for. And it's plot, 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 plot. This one, I mean, there's certainly a lot of plot, which is one of the big reasons why we're splitting it up into two parts. Um, but also there's a lot of rumination on what does it mean to be a victor in a war and what how do you keep power and it is it, are the hunger games good and correct and uh you kind of see the effects that other people have on snow's way of thinking because there are definitely people on both sides of the argument here saying like no this is inhumane and awful and people saying like this is necessary and we have to do this as long as we can and watching snow kind of like waver in between those two but then ultimately decide where he falls is very interesting. And 
I think also this book, um, Suzanne, Suzanne Collins just did this really well where a, lot, a big problem I have with a lot of like prequel things or like, especially like with the, some of the Star Wars stuff, you're like, mm-hmm. I know there, there are no stakes here because I know these, none mm-hmm. of these characters die. And we do know that Snow lives on until the original trilogy, but the stakes still felt so high in this book because of other things that are going on. And I really appreciated that, that I wasn't the whole time just like, get on with it, get on with it, you know? And I think in general, like, there's not, there's two characters, basically. And even one I'm kind of, like, not really sure of. Um, Yeah. But there's two characters that I've picked up on so far that are characters in the original series right like there's yeah. a lot of names name dropping yeah names of like okay well this is probably an ancestor of so and so or like yeah yeah there's uh, uh plutarch heaven's Plut- families in mm-hmm. this a lot but like he's not so i mean like there's still stakes in terms of the actual characters aside from the main character right like we know mm-hmm. that and actually like i i I'm pretty sure Snow is going to survive this whole thing. But I did have kind of like a what if this is actually like a replete like this is not the President Snow. Like what if it's the reverse of the thing I was describing where like he gets genetically modified like mutation. There's a new like they replace him sort of thing. Uh So I was kind of having that thought for a moment. But then I was like, no, I don't think that's where it's going to go. But aside from knowing that Coriolanus Snow becomes the president of Pan Am in the Hunger Games, and mm-hmm. uh, that the Hunger Games themselves will continue. Um, there's a lot else that I'm, I, you know, like all of the side characters, you know, they're cannon yeah. fodder for the most part. So, yeah, I was very surprised by that, actually, by how many of these people I thought would have plot armor just because of their circumstances turned mm-hmm. out to not at all be no. safe. Um, and that was very thrilling to read about. And I mean, um, I also feel like it is uh, definitely a commentary on war again, yeah. like the Hunger Games, where I am like, yeah, you, like, I don't want to be that person who's like, the Hunger Games is so relevant to modern times, because I know that like can feel minimizing about stuff going on. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this is like a pretty like stark look at, like you said, the way that people deal with being a victor and mm-hmm. how to keep that control and like what that means and, and how the othering of and the, the other side yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and the, especially the... when it's a civil war like this mm-hmm. one was um yeah there was there was a lot going on with and especially because one of our major characters in this book is someone who came from the districts their family came from the districts and kind of bought their way into the capital and while the family is like struggling to fit in the son of that family has a lot of like carrying a lot of baggage and trauma is like he he went to school with people in district two and uh the person who eventually becomes one of the tributes from district two was one of his friends at school and uh just like how he how he handles or doesn't handle it i guess would be more appropriate like how he's just like so conflicted about this whole thing and doesn't know what to do with all of his energy and passion and Mm -hmm. um kind of what happens to him I'm very excited for you to get to the end of the book so I can talk about that more fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. there's quite a few uh, plot lines that I'm very interested to see how they go at the midpoint. Because, yeah, book mm-hmm. uh, part two does pretty much end at around, like, 55% of the way through the book, I think. So it's pretty... Yeah. In addition part three's to... chunky. Yeah, yeah. So that... Yeah, that's where we're splitting the episodes. We, we're going to discuss parts one and two, which mostly revolve around... Um, Capital Life and the Games. This is the 10th annual Hunger Games. 
um, and kind of what they looked like back when they were first starting. And then the third part goes off in another direction that I'm not going to spoil for him yet, but they're pretty different. Um, so it was a good, it was a good natural place to mm-hmm. split the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of like, I got to the end of part two and I was like, oh fuck, I want to keep reading. But I know I, I told you it'd be a really bad oh, cliffhanger. <laughs> it, it, it's such a cliffhanger. Like I was like, mm-hmm. damn, damn Suzanne, get my ass. Yeah, yeah, which kind of made me think like maybe it wasn't supposed was supposed mm. to be like a trilogy or maybe two books at or one duology, point because yeah. yeah, because the there are some parts in the third part I'm kind of like these are a little bit dragging like I don't know if we needed to include all of this but maybe would have been more fleshed out if there were going to be three mm-hmm. books altogether but um I'm glad it was just the one because I think this is the perfect amount like there is a part of me that's like oh I want like sequels to this or a prequel Mm -hmm. to that you know like I want more information about this era but I don't want it to turn into like I I don't really I don't want it to be like a Marvel Cinematic Universe situation like I don't I don't need more but I would love more like that's that's how this book has left me which is a very good sign I think for being successful at doing what it's doing so and I and I feel like it's so interesting with the Hunger Games and I it'll be interesting to see how the film like first off how well this film performs or not well it's only gonna be one movie yeah um and kind of with that if it does well are is the studio gonna try to keep churning out trying to make it more of a cinematic right. universe oh we did the 10th hunger games let's do the 26th hunger games let's do this person's let's hunger do the games, one you know? Mitch is in you know which i think that would kind of lead to the we are just the capital entertained by children's deaths kind of that feels like you the know, opposite of what the Hunger what the Games books, books are trying to do. Trying yeah, to do, which is like you shouldn't be entertained by children's deaths, right? Um, right. But dang, these deaths are so compelling. <laughs> there, yes, I was so surprised by how much I felt for these people that I've uh, known for like a two hundred pages. I know, like, right? Yes. Oh uh, my god, it's doing a lot of work with these these games. I was mm-hmm. a lot of oof. well, too, and then there's so much space. So like. Katniss is in the 74th and 75th Hunger Games and this one is the 10th like there's so much time in between two that you really like you know Snow makes it out of this and becomes president but like other than that you don't know what happens mm. you don't know anything about him so it's it there were there were some some stakes there too I would say that other than just like you know he's not gonna die but what else the fuck's gonna happen to him so yeah um oh I just Suzanne Suzanne I'm sorry for like not trusting you or not like respecting you enough when I was younger. Like your books are fucking good. Suzanne and really pops off. I swear. Honestly, like if, if you just want to sneak another one out in like two or three years, like don't say anything to anyone, just like s- publish it on the sly. I will just gobble that up. I just like, mm, mm. or like if you just have notes that you want to send to me personally, that's also good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All right, let's talk about let's talk about the first two parts of this book. Yeah, because there there is a lot here. Um, so the book obviously focuses on Coriolanus Snow. He goes by Corio to his friends, and his very close friends only. His very close friends only. Yeah, uh, not the guy who considers him his, his like, best friend. friend. It's it's fine. Whatever. We'll get He's there. My best friend, but I'm not his best friend. I'm not his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> so the Snow family has lived in the capital. Uh, they're, they're like capital people. They're old money, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, except mm-hmm. for the Snow family, if you guys remember from from the Hunger Games lore, uh, the Snow money had all of their 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 uh 
wealth wrapped up in District 13. And so when the Capitol bombed District 13 to end the rebellion, they kind of lost all their money. So they are they are really struggling to get by. Like this this is a time in the Capitol when everyone is still like rebuilding wealth. Uh they 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 were like under under siege basically during the entire rebellion. And so people in the Capitol were starving and were having to like resort to uh, you know, eating people. Yeah. <laughs> Doing just a little bit of cannibalism and Snow won't forget that. Don't, don't you worry. Like he will not forgive that one girl who, who ate a person to survive that one time. It wasn't Which, even the girl. It was her dad. Oh yeah. He was like, you're a cannibalist. You're a cannibal by relation. And I can't, cannibalist I can't. father freaks me out, which I mean, like, honestly, I don't know that I could get over that either. If I That's, saw someone's dad. You do look at someone a little differently, probably. Um, but I mean, like, like okay, they but, were all f- like eight at the time. What are you going to like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But also, like, I do think that changes a person to chow down on like a thigh, you know? That's true. Yeah. Like, that's You're a holding lot. the leg in your hand. Yeah. And I mean, like, I did say it wasn't even her. It was her dad. But also, like, it was her dad did chop off someone's leg to take it back to eat. Yeah. So, like. If he survived and she also survived, I feel like she was probably eating a bit of that flesh, you know? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in our Divinity 2 playthrough where I play Sibyl, the elf, Listen, that's Emma's different. like, you need to eat more people. That's different. You get special <laughs> powers from it. <laughs> no, that is the fantasy world where I play a fantasy person. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, the, so a lot of people are still that would consider themselves old money are still kind of rebuilding, but the snows are having a much harder time of it because they have nothing to rebuild. Like their their wealth was destroyed. So and they, they also are, don't have anyone left in the family. They don't it's, have anyone left in the family. It's Snow, the grandmam, who they which is their the grandmother of Snow, and then his cousin Tigress, which we didn't talk about Tigress in when we in our discussion of Mockingjay. I don't think. Not um, much, but, if at all. I think we might have mentioned that they were, like, at her house. Yeah, because who would have thought that Tigress would come back and be a major character in yeah, I know, right? the Hunger Games prequel? Um, Tigress in, in Mockingjay is a an older designer who um, Katniss finds quite striking because, obviously, Tigress has undergone some sort of fashion modification, body modification, uh, and has gone too far and now looks very much just like a cat. Um and um, she helps Katniss and her little gang when they're um, at the very end of book three, when they're on the run in the Capitol and basically everyone is dead, but Peta, Gale and Katniss and mm. um, and Natalie Dormer. And she helps them um, hide from snow and everybody. So then to see her like pop up in this book, she's Snow's cousin and they're tight. They're like they're, they're like besties. siblings. Yeah, they're besties. Um, and the three of them live together in this penthouse that they um has been in the family for forever, uh, but like they're very much putting on a show. Because um, yeah, we've got the situation where for the last uh, ten years, I mean, like the grandma, gra- grandmom, grandmom, I don't grandmam. know, grandmam. Um, she is too old to like get back into work if she ever worked. Unclear. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have I have an opinion about that. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is what they are telling themselves. I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. She yeah, could yeah. probably have gotten a job, but um, no. I, well, she okay. No, you t- you yeah. Talk about the family, and then I'll be like, my problem with the grandman is. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of problems with grandma. Yeah. Um, but then she Tigress was a child during the war, and mm-hmm. for like now she has an assistant job. Um, at some fashion designers mm-hmm. as an assistant. Um, and then Corio is, you know, in school, right? So, like, yeah. 
This is no his last year of high school. Really bringing in money and like anything that they could do to bring in money would um, show that they are struggling, right? Because like yeah. if the grandmam they can't take out a loan, they right? Can't... And if the grandmam went back to work, people would be like, "Why is Why? she working?" Right? Yeah. So. Here's and my I think, thing. Mm-hmm. Grandmam has, she is known for, and, and again, if you've read or watched The Hunger Games, you'll know, she's known very well known for these beautiful rose gardens that she keeps mm-hmm. on the roof of their penthouse. And, and Snow, in the future, becomes known for his roses, right? I'm like, if these roses are so well known and so sought after, like, fucking sell bouquets of roses, what are you doing? Well, I think that would look, because that's, <laughs> that's my problem with uh, Grandmam and the family at large, right? Is yeah. that they are so... Um, so I, not tigress, not tigress. I don't think, no. but the rest are so. Uh, the other two are so yeah. interested in saving face. Yeah, um, that, yeah. Tigress that, is alluded to like doing, have, like participating in sex work to in order to make ends meet. Yeah, um, uh, and Corio, like a lot of times, it will come to a some sort of moral conundrum where it's very obviously like the moral thing is to do xyz thing but then he's like oh but that would bring such shame to but the i have family. to go to university so i can become president yes like i don't want to shame the family i don't want grandmam to be like like how will she react she won't be able to deal with it yeah um and i mean i think she needs a fucking wake-up call of being like bitch Honestly. you're all poor like you don't have the money to be doing this and like it's weird because during the war she was very frugal and very like uh made the decisions like thought ahead got the lima beans that they were like living off of and all this other stuff but then like doesn't have the sense of real and maybe like maybe that's just because it's from his perspective where like maybe she would be willing to make some cuts do some stuff different uh, not care as much about appearances but he is Uh so sure that like Anything that gives away that they are not a plus one hundred percent will like cause her to have a heart attack. Right. Yeah. It's it's very frustrating. And, and again, one of the things that you see that like he's not he's not like the sympathetic underdog. Like yeah, he has he has. I mean, less privileges than the other rich kids, but like mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. not an underdog. He's just like choosing to be. He's not choosing to accept his circumstances. Yeah. Because. He is, like, he's a very promising student. Like, everyone's like, ooh, Snow, you know, like, the Snow family, very famous. Oh, he's very smart. He's very charming, whatever. Um, And he is up for an award to basically win a full ride to university. And he honestly is like, once I get this full ride to university, all of our our family's problems will be solved. I'm like, no, you still have to go through four years of school at least. I'm assuming if it's anything like, you know, regular university. Which I think to his credit... At, until because as you know the story goes on it becomes reve- or it is revealed that the capital has decided to start taxing capital citizens yeah. which they hadn't done prior to the war because they need funds for war efforts mm-hmm. or for it to rebuild um so i think like realistically he's probably not wrong that they could have scraped by on tigress's money for another four years mm-hmm. because nothing would have changed right they would still have the same expenses that they do now and they've been scraping by on tigress's money now right yeah um so like i don't i don't think he's entirely wrong about that but then obviously once the whole like oh you're gonna be taxed sort of thing it's like you should not have been like you should have had the plan that to to bug out before that yeah. became like official official you know yeah i don't know uh <laughs> so so that's that's their background 
um, and what they're dealing with um, in, on that front. And um, at school, Snow is basically just trying to put on this show that everything is fine at home and he, he needs to put on this show because he is being constantly judged by the different teachers at his academy that he goes to um and on whether and they're watching him to see like if they will choose him to get this free ride because there's only one prize to be given out and he and he wants it desperately but there's a lot of competition so one of the things that he thinks uh uh will help him um win this award is uh that this the university has chosen 24 students to be mentors in the hunger games for the first time so leading up to the 10th hunger games they were literally just pulling 24 kids out of the districts, sticking them in an arena. And it's not even like an arena like we saw in the original Hunger Games. It's like literally it's a like a football like stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just putting it's them in the there with weapons <laughs> and then letting them go at it. Like they're not doing anything. And and I'm saying that like, what a stupid idea. Like it's all <laughs> awful. But like we, we're used to seeing this whole like. It's a, it's like, you know, um, um, a whole show that they put on a whole production of like bringing in the, bringing in the tributes and treating them well and feeding them and making sure they have training and, and getting, letting them experience the capital life before sending them into a, uh, like a wilderness of some kind or something that they've built to be fun and interesting to look at and then fully controlling the entire environment. That's not what's going on here. This is just like down and dirty hunger games, like just 24 kids going at it for maybe 24 hours tops. And I think also this does a really good job of kind of justifying why this book is this book, right? Like why it exists, why it's not just, um, oh, we're doing the hunger games again, right? Like, because I think that that this moment and this like kind of realization for me of like, oh, it's such bare bones, right? And then Mm -hmm. as the book goes on and you start seeing like, the other kids, but definitely Coriolanus, uh, having ideas and saying things to improve the Hunger Games, right? And that's part yeah. of, like, like... Make them more watchable. Yes. Like, and he is actively involved in that. And some of that is being implemented now. But you mm-hmm. also see, like, the seeds of stuff that probably, like... I'm like, okay, I Making see what's sure happening. Fed. Yeah. And yes. like like the the his thing about circuses, right? Like and comparing that the parade, right? And like yes. the the uh parade that we see in the books, the Hunger Games books. Mm-hmm. Um like all of that, I think when you first read Hunger Games, it's kind of like, yeah, this guy's a villain and bad, but he's also the current president, right? And he didn't yeah. start the Hunger Games. And I think reading this book, the vibe that I'm very much getting is like, yes, he did. Like, yeah. like the Hunger Games was in place, but it was like people didn't like it. People wanted mm-hmm. it to end. Like, Even not the capital just, people hated yes, it. Yes, a lot of yeah. it, like the capital people don't watch it. They they're like it's disgusting and gross to watch, and mm-hmm. it it's makes depressing. me upset, and it's depressing, and it reminds yeah. me of the war, right? Yeah, and like this book showing like the way that it goes from like this kind of fucked up thing that they did at the the end of a war when they were like upset and turning that into like such a tool of of control and like Mm -hmm. such a a um way to both keep the crowd the uh the 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 what are they called nope the other one (laughs) Districts. Districts. I was going to say <laughs> villages, and I'm like, that's incorrect. Um, the the districts in check, as well as keeping the capital in check. And it's 
a thing that I love about this book so far is that mm-hmm. like we talked a lot about how in Hunger Games, th- bread is the theme, right? Like th- it's a thing that pops up over and over yeah. again and like the need for people bread to is eat, life. right? Yeah. And I mean like it's the 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 name of the country is Pan M as in like bread, bread. and, mm-hmm. right? Um, from the phrase like bread and circuses uh-huh. and like this and is the circus the part like the the theme of circus in this is like so throughout <laughs> it's like, like can I hit you over the head with it yes like like we got you know the girl who's dressed as a circus performer we've got like the the anchor is like a clown and like all this other stuff where it's just very like ooh tasty tasty symbolism of like do you mm-hmm. get it do you get it and I think it could be a little like you said hitting you over the head but I really liked it so no yeah I think <laughs> I, I definitely time. like going into a book like this you don't really expect it to I don't it's just like this is a prequel book and the way that it completely the mm-hmm. the original trilogy yeah. i cannot wait for you to read part three because i want to say something <laughs> so bad right now about how like at all time it's so good it's so good <laughs> but this i think this really does like if not complete the original hunger games trilogy for me like definitely adds so much depth and mm. context to it i'm like how suzanne how like I'm fully like I want to go back and reread the yes, Hunger Games again after reading this. Immediately, like the end of this book g- includes a preview of the first Hunger Games book, which again wild to me that you would pick up this one first. But you, you do you includes a preview of it, and I was just like reading it, and I was like, I don't have to be doing this. I've already read this, but like the urge was there so strongly. Um, like mm. the things that mm. we know about Snow now, and mm-hmm. like I mean I don't know fully, but like. A lot oh of the God. stuff where I'm like, he's being an idiot. I'm like, oh, okay. Like with this book, you know? Yes. It and really, oh, this it fucking so thing about Rose. Ugh, yeah. It gets so good in part three. I When I tell you like how loudly I gasped at one part because of like something that just like gets very casually dropped, but it's, so, and I'm just like, oh. Oh my God, that's what that. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on from to the first two parts. We got. We got to get. There. We got it. We got it. We, we got, got to. So it's gonna. Be, we're gonna have to split this into two parts. Too. <laughs> part one, part two, and part three. Um, part one, part one, part one of part one, and part two of part one, and then part two. Part two, and then part three, <laughs> which may also be split into two parts because. Oh, okay, I can't. I can't anymore. I can't. There's this. There's this guy at school. Uh, Dean, the Dean, Dean Highbottom. He is. <laughs> Dean the Dean. Dean the Dean Highbottom. Um, he uh, was he is credited with coming up with the original idea for the Hunger Games. Uh, they this was at it um, after the war. They were basically like asking some of the university students like, hey, what do you think? What do you think is a good punishment for people? And uh, this is like kind of the an idea that came from that. And uh, the <laughs> he he came up with the Hunger Games. And he is uh, seems to have some sort of of uh, not a vendetta, but yeah, strong dislike for snow. Uh, it's a real which, Snape situation. Yeah, yeah, because I, ooh, I also can't remember. in that. Also Do you in know Highbottom's? Real- I know that Highbottom and. Um, uh, uh, his father are were friends. Were like okay. childhood friends. All right, I didn't know when that and was revealed. My assumption 
reading this as a queer woman what especially that they went to the club together owned by queer men mm. was that they were in love but that might be wrong that mm. might be incorrect mm. um and also he wasn't a university student at the time that they asked it right he was a professor because otherwise the timelines wouldn't add up right uh he might have been yeah it because it would have been 10 years ago and if he was friends with his dad his dad was a full adult at that time yeah you're right yeah so he would have had to have been a professor so he wasn't like an innocent child who came up with this but he also does say like um when someone's like but you invented the hunger games he's like i didn't think they would take that seriously yeah he's like this is did not (laughs) mean for that to like that was like uh i was angry and (laughs) goofing around (laughs) yeah you ever goof around and accidentally slaughter uh, 240 children (laughs) do you ever accidentally come up with a perfect plan to murder kids (laughs) damn I hate when that happens to me. Oh, I'm sorry. It'd be 230 because there would be 10 victors in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got High Bottom who doesn't like snow on one side of the uh, the committee of, of controlling the Hunger Games situation. And then on the other hand, we have Dr. Gall who is the game maker. She's a nasty little freak. She's a nasty freak of a woman who I loved reading about. <laughs> I was so like just... She was fascinating to me in a very like disgusting way, you know. Mm. Like she's, she is, uh, she's a mad scientist, right? Like that's that's her. She is in her labs experimenting with how can we make people be animals and make animals more vicious and disgusting. Like that's her. She comes up with the mutations. That's her. Yeah. Also, like I loved the part, and by loved I mean like what the fuck to the part where she was like, oh yeah, I used to be an obstetrics. Yeah. And like <laughs> you can <kidding> like. <laughs> Like and when, Snow is like, I feel bad for like, any baby who saw you for, as the first thing in the yes. real world. <laughs> and then she's like, um, oh, you know, it's just it gets to be too hard, like telling parents like they want to know what fate their child will have. And like, it's too hard. So I guess I just started making mutations like what? That's yeah, a wild what? villain origin story. <laughs> How did you jump from one thing to the other? Okay, That's whatever. That's a wild villain origin story that having to have any sort of bedside manner distressed you so much that yeah. you decided to start genetic splicing snakes and like baboons and shit. Yeah, like, you were like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to make the perfect animal. <laughs> <laughs> this one won't get sick. Um yeah, so she's on the other end and um, also like kind of in opposition to High Bottom seems to be mentoring Snow through not his mentorship necessarily, but seems to be mentoring him for something higher up, something more like she's asking him questions about like, what do you what what do you think are good aspects of war? How do you think we can control people? Like she's just asking. Him Would you questions. ever fall in love with a seventeen-year-old uh, in the Hunger Games and then yeah. have uh, uh, conflicted feelings about that? Um, and or would you ever have a 17 year old nemesis in the Hunger Games? You know, absolutely. Yes. To both. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately for snow, (laughs) rough stuff, buddy. rough stuff. Uh, So these two are kind of in charge of running the Hunger Games and organizing these 24 students into being the mentors. And they are the ones that assign the um, mentors to their tribute. So before the reapings even begin, Snow finds out that he is going to be chosen to mentor the female tribute from District 12. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, boo. Katniss They're the Everdeen. worst. 
<laughs> they're the worst. He's like, he, to him, this is a sign of him not having as high of standing in the university as he thought he did. And so he's like, his world is falling down around him. He's like mm. sobbing about this. So upset. So my theory right now in regards to High Bottom and why he made this choice was less that he was like, I hate this kid. Mm-hmm. And more that he was like, I was friends with his father. His father became severely fucked up and like mm-hmm. power mad and like, because like we get a few glimpses of Snow's father. He's dead at this point. He died during the war. Um, and he seems very like, again, very duty to family and nation, very mm-hmm. like uh, fuck the districts, you know, that sort of thing. So my my inclination right now is that Dean Hightower is less like I hate High this bottom. kid high bottom thank you Mm -hmm. um less like i hate this kid and more like um i don't want this kid to go the same way as his dad i'm going Mm -hmm. to give him a a can't a hunger games uh tribute that uh isn't gonna go anywhere so that he doesn't get sucked into doing this that's how i'm reading it um, but I could be wrong. He could just be like, man, this kid, uh, something about him. I fucking hate his face. I want, I want to take a stab at him that only he will understand is a real slight. Because <laughs> uh, I know he reads way too much into everything. Yes, into every <laughs> single thing. Uh, so he's really bummed out about this. But then, but then they get to see the reaping. And obviously it starts with District 12, as it always does. And the, the girl tribute from District 12 is chosen first. And uh, the tribute this year is a girl named Lucy Gray Baird, who, when her name is called, the first thing she does is she walks past the mayor's daughter and slips a a snake down the dress of the mayor's daughter and causes the mayor's daughter to have really, like, just an embarrassing moment where she wets herself from fear, uh, is basically embarrassed in front of the entire nation who is forced to watch the reaping. And this is her revenge for... um, Something. For something I that I don't think you... I know at this point. Okay, so I won't yeah. say. I this know, is her revenge for something. I know that something has happened with Lucy Gray and some sort of lost love. And again, you know, my instinct, it was the mayor's daughter that she was in love with. But, you know, mm. I'm probably wrong about that. I'll go ahead and admit that now. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, it, it seems just like uh, kind of out of nowhere, except then she gets up on the stage and the mayor does smack her in the face in a way that does kind of indicate to people like, oh, maybe the mayor just hates, maybe the mayor and his daughter are dicks to this girl. Like, seems like they're not believable. big fans. Yeah, they don't seem like good people because then the mayor comes out and is like beating up Lacey, Lucy Gray in front of everybody of Pan Am as well. So, I mean, he doesn't seem like a great guy. But, um, you know, everyone is very impressed by this Lucy Gray. She's got some spunk, right? She's got some fight in her. So maybe maybe she'll make something of herself. And then when she gets up on the stage, um, there's some downtime because they have to, like, take the mayor away and, like, calm him down Be before like, he can continue the reaping. <laughs> yeah, please stop smacking a 17-year-old girl on television, uh, live TV. 17-year-old she, girl marks um, death. Like, come on, dude. It's not a good look. <laughs> You're not going to get reelected this way. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but she 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 sings a song and it's beautiful. Everyone loves it. The peacekeepers of District 12 are all like clapping along and like it's very obvious. She's very like her performances are very popular within the district and uh, everyone in the capital is very charmed by her and impressed by her. And Snow was like, hey, maybe, maybe maybe I might not be able to win this thing, but I can make her look good and I can make myself look good um, alongside her. 
because this is also the first Hunger Games in which, because of this new mentor program, they are doing interviews, televised interviews before the Hunger Games. So uh, popularity matters, except does it right now? Because it doesn't actually affect anything in the game. Yeah, not yet anyway. No. (laughs) Um, So they bring, let's just skip ahead a little bit. They bring the tributes all to the Capitol and Snow gets this bright idea that like, hey, I'm going to go out and meet my tribute at the train platform to welcome her to the Capitol, like humanize her a little bit for the people of the Capitol, like treat her as a guest uh, and just, you know, kind of be like win her over so that he can win everyone else over, you know, like he's just trying to make himself look good by making her like him. And so he goes to the train platform and he's waiting and, and he's also, waiting. He also wants her to be easy to work with. Yes. Yeah. He wants he wants her to be he wants her to be pliable. So um, he goes, oh, I also forgot to mention. Sorry, back backing up a little bit. Lucy Gray is not actually of District 12, which they get into a little bit. Um, in some of the interviews and some of the like during the games, like Coriolanus does some interviews, you know, while nothing is happening in the arena, um, talking about how she she's not really of District 12. Lucy Gray is part of a that nomadic people called the Covey, who you can probably make some real world um, parallels to like the Roma people, but basically like they are a traveling group of musicians that live outside of the bounds of of the districts and and capital society and when the rebellion ended they kind of got stuck in district 12 and have just been living there and it's only this branch of them yes this branch one there's maybe some more out there but that's not been confirmed um and they um they kind of get by on the generosity of some people in the district but make their living by being this like a band essentially um and so there's this big um, he, he tries to, like, make this argument, argument yeah. that she's not really of the district. So doesn't that kind of make her like capital and therefore doesn't that kind of make her worth your time, which is a little like super icky. Um, yeah, I mean, but you got to do what you got to do to win the games. <laughs> I also think that he is he believes that as well. Like, I yeah. Think oh, that, yeah. That's why he allows himself to fall in love with her. Yes, fully. because he's very, very uh, against uh, district people in general because he mm-hmm. went through a war involving them but also like was exposed his to a grandma lot of propaganda is, involving yeah. them. Grandmam is very like uh hmm classist? I don't know. Like Yeah, it's hard the, to say exactly what is the It's hard to say what is this be. distinction. Yeah. Not racist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like I guess nationalist in a way except the yeah. whole thing is the nation but like statist maybe? I don't know. Like maybe. it would be like if I was like from Cincinnati, which I am, and really, really, really hated everyone from like every other state, but like specific, but also the rest of Ohio, you know? Like, yeah, it's it's a weird like the <laughs> distinction makes sense in the books, but there's not yeah, an easy there's way not to a talk. Real world, yeah, yeah. There's not an equivalent. I think you could you could you know paper it over a lot of real world situations, yeah. but. There's not a there's not a succinct ism to put yeah. on it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so so there this this is him rationalizing it to himself as well as to the entire nation. But so so he goes to wait for them at the train station. And when they arrive, so if you remember in the original Hunger Games, like PETA and, and Katniss were put on this like high speed, luxurious train ride where they had like brand new clothes and showers and servants and food aplenty. Uh, the, these tributes arrive to the Capitol in a livestock ca- cargo car and are all chained together, haven't been fed, haven't had any water, haven't had baths or anything. They basically roll out of this train after two or three days of traveling and just in the same things they were wearing when they when they were reaped. So Coriolanus is like, wow, gross. <laughs> Look at these gross children. Look at these animals. Why? Um, and then <laughs> to make things worse, he's like, I'm going to I'm going to go with her to like go go to where they're going to set her up, like where are her quarters going to be in the capital. I'm going to go. I'm just going to accompany her there so she feels comfortable, you know. So he gets stuffed in this um, like I don't know. It, it's like a it's like a it's like a uh, a cargo. I, I just like a semi truck. I, like I don't a know. Prison transport situation. Like, because I think yeah, it was something wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, he he gets like locked up in there with them where some of some of these tributes are very much like we want to kill the dis- the Capitol boy because he's from the Capitol and we're from the district. And, and also like, what are they going to do? Kill us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's already. Yeah. We get a free one. <laughs> so they take the the prison transport takes them all to the zoo and they dump them all in a monkey cage. And when I say dump, they literally back the back this truck van up to the monkey exhibit and just like poop dump them all in there, including Snow, who's like, uh, I believe a mistake has been made. But Lucy Gray's like, no, you need to own this moment. Like she's like already trying to help him because she has stage presence, right? She's she kind of knows a little bit about how to win over a crowd and Snow is not he he's good at charming people but not when he is uncertain you know like when he's Mm. when he's in a new environment uh he's been a little untested so she she kind of helps him pull this off as like looking looking good instead of looking afraid and and being like a sad little capital boy on tv here because it was all he meant to be here yeah he meant to be plan all along yes uh, and he's eventually rescued after kind of like talking to Lucy Gray for a while. Like he kind of gets to know her a little bit. And then he's like rescued by the peacekeepers who take him to school. And Dean Highbottom's like, you get a demerit for that because you could have gotten in trouble. If you get three demerits, we're going to expel you from Academy. And well, so like, you could have gotten in trouble. So you could have died. Oh, yeah. You could have you could have <laughs> died. You put a student in harm. And, and then, like, even though the was student you. was himself. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets a demerit. Um, but that doesn't stop Snow. He continues to visit the to visit Lucy Gray at the zoo and is taking her food because he he knows that if his tribute is not eating eating food or drinking water, she's gonna be that much weaker in the arena. So he's like sneaking her food and stuff. And he's, and he's starting he's, to get this popularity thing going. Yeah. He's like other people even when he was in the cage himself, he like set it up for like other people to come talk to Lucy and like uh, encouraging this and getting people to like, oh, come on down to the zoo and visit lucy and the other tributes um yes so now it's it's you know they're a sensation people love these children in the monkey cage i do want to make clear that there are not also monkeys in the monkey cage no yes all the animal all the other animals in the zoo have kind of been killed off either for eating or like they escaped you know like or they just died because no or they just them. died because no one was feeding them yeah There's so like one sad turtle left somewhere yeah they have a turtles and raccoons that are rabid keep that in mind 
and um just yeah rap there's one other thing but i can't remember what it was it's also very sad i'm sure yeah um so he starts going regularly to the zoo to to hype up lucy gray he um there's a couple other students i guess we can mention here around this time so we have sorry i'm burping now (laughs) i'm just making all the gross mouse noises for Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. good yes um we have Sejanus Plinth, who is uh, the boy I was talking about earlier. His family is from District 2. He's very new to the capital, but they're extremely wealthy. And so his dad is buying Sejanus's way into uh, every every like uh, prestigious thing he needs to be part of. So they're war profiteers. Yes, yes, were. that is what they were. So so that's why the capital. Like I think if they had made their money any other way, the capital been like, yes, come join us. But because it was off war profiteering, and everyone is still super salty about everything that happened during the war, they're like, oh, stay away from you. Um, See, I think that the only reason that they were even allowed to be in the capital was because it was war profiteering. Like I think if oh, it was I anything it was just else. Money. I think it. Well, I think if it was anything else, and they had money, they would have been like nah babe like we'll just take your money like Mm. you know but i think the fact that it because they they specifically helped the capital with you know the war so sejanus he is the yeah he's the one from district two and his tribute is the the boy from district two that he was friends with when he was in elementary school or whatever the equivalent of that is in hunger games world and marcus uh, marcus marcus fucking hates sejanus uh for for obvious reasons i think and Sejanus just feels bad. He feels he he feels like he can't control anything. His father is making him be a mentor with his money. His father is making him attend the academy. You know, like he's paying so much money to cover up the fact that Sejanus is very loudly and obviously a district sympathizer because he's like the Hunger Games are monstrous and we should not be doing this. Snow has the um privilege of being considered Sejanus's best friend because Snow just like doesn't bother with him. He just ignores him. He's like Which like that description of how he that was explained of like sociopath. Sociopathic, right? Like yes, the way absolutely. that Snow is so manipulative of those around him without even like trying, right? Yes. You know? Yeah. Like he he didn't join in the teasing of Sir Janus because it like wouldn't get him anything. He didn't see a benefit to it. Yeah. And so then because he didn't actively bully this kid, people see him as a very nice guy and like calm and reasonable. Uh Uh-huh. And Sejanus like is like, oh, this guy is looking out for me. Right. Yeah. And but he fucking hates this dude. He hates Sejanus because Sejanus, thinking he's Snow's friend, keeps pulling Snow into his shenanigans into his hijinks of trying to be like this outspoken uh against the hunger games person and snow's like no i can't i don't want to be mixed up i have a scholarship on the line sejanus i can't but also he hates sejanus for the exact set like it's so again so like he hates sejanus because he sees sejanus as having these like huge privileges that he is rejecting his new money and like doesn't um like respect enough and at the same time snow is over here like bemoaning the huge privileges that he has because it's not exactly the way that he wants it to be right Mm -hmm. so i'm like like, that's not how i would use my wealth and influence right and then he's over here like oh yeah sure i have eight million connections that could probably get me like a good steady job but because it's not like peak pinnacle of everything it's not president then it's not worth it right 
Mm-hmm. So he he hates Sejanus because he sees himself in Sejanus, but also like not the good parts of Sejanus. Yes. So it, that's it's a very it's a very sad relationship that Sejanus has to Snow because Sejanus has no idea, no no idea it's... because Snow like makes nice with his parents. He like he he uh, the the mom like they call her Ma and Snow even like goes calls her the familiar title Ma throughout the book, like he uh is it, the mom is always like making food for snow and stuff and like thanking him for being such a good friend to her son who she who she knows is having a lot of like troubles with um dealing with everything that's happening to him and just like just she's so grateful for snow and uh he just takes it all he's like yeah this is what's owed to me because i i did save your son from embarrassing himself socially like mm. Yeah, okay. it's it's wild. And I mean, okay. like, again, <laughs> like I fully see Snow as a he's he's young. He's 17, 18 at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he is a, a victim of a situation in which he was uh, completely mentally broken as an eight year old. Right. Like mm-hmm. he went through shit that fucked him up and made it nearly impossible to empathize with anyone and the only way that he could keep any level of empathy was to become hyper uh uh insular in terms of who he views as people right yes like because if he views everyone as people then that means that everyone does like people can do bad things to you right so instead Uh it's easier to be like they are not us we are we are this we are good we are the good ones and they are evil right Mm -hmm. so i get that but the end result is this teenager who is manipulative and and uh, does not like judges a woman for keeping things from her home. Right. Like, yes. He goes yes. to their house. She and, brought like, things from District 2 to make herself feel more comfortable about leaving the only place she considered home. And like he's like gross. Yeah. Why would you take this trash with you? Like it's, okay. it's an embarrassment. And you're like uh, uh, basically a traitor for doing this. He makes fun of her appearance. He's like, Ma is really ugly. Look at her trying to be in this capital wear. Yeah. He's like, look at her, look how frumpy she looks. Like, bro, she bro. made you, you. She's feeding you. Yep. You have no money for food and she's feeding you. Such a fucking dick. Ugh. <laughs> and yet so, like, as a main character, extremely compelling. <laughs> I cannot. Also, like, the food, like, yeah. the way that the politics of food is in this book where there is so much around like people giving food and what that means yeah and like the way that snow does feel like he is just owed food all the time right like mm-hmm. like he is hungry and he knows he doesn't have access to food right but like anytime that like food is given to him that so he'll be like oh i shouldn't take more than this because it would look bad or whatever but like he's never thankful for the food you know mm-hmm. he's never like no oh like he he'll say thanks to ma or whatever because that is expected of him but yeah. It's never like, dang, this is someone looking out for me, right? Yeah, no, it's like, this is what's owed to me, or they have more than enough. Yeah. Yeah, like, bro. 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 <laughs> so, so uh, following Snow's example, the other, the other mentors also start going to the zoo to um, bring food to their tributes and uh, try to get to know them and kind of sell them to the audience. Um, for reasons I that become a little bit more important in in a, in a minute, but um, well, I guess I can talk about him here. So it's basically Doctor Gall assigns her students uh, or has them like proposes this this thought experiment that's like, how do we make people 
more invested in watching the Hunger Games? How do we make them part of the Hunger Games, right? And so Snow, um, I would say mostly Snow, but along with the help of some of his classmates is like, hey, what if we like started a betting pool on them or like gave, found a way for the people watching the Hunger Games to send things in the arena to the tributes? Like they could send food and water. Um, and, you know, you guys see how that evolves from there over the years. And I uh, think like the the other students, mainly when they have an offer of a suggestion, it's kind of, again, like a joke, right? Like yeah. the one guy is like, well, if I could bet on this, like I could bet on da da da, maybe I'd care, you know? <laughs> and but Snow most, is like, mm. And Snow's like, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, and most yeah, of the actually, other students. Let's explore this option. Like most of them do push back a little bit about like, yeah, no one wants to other person. No one wants to watch the Hunger Games. It's gross. Like we can't make people want to watch this. And Snow is like, hold on, gang. We have to do the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. No, you don't. You don't have to do the assignment. And and even as like the games are going on and, and the mentors are watching what's happening in the arena, Snow is always the one like that's like. I wish they would quit whining about this. Like, yeah, just like we just have to get through this. It's just it's just another thing we have to do. Like, and just shut up about stop crying. <laughs> and it's so interesting also because he of course, he starts having feelings for Lucy Gray and, uh-huh. you know, eventually considers himself to be in love with her, which mm-hmm. more on that, I'm sure. But like mm-hmm. um, and like there are very clearly other mentor um mentor and and uh tribute relationships that are set up where the mentor cares deeply about the tribute right mm-hmm. um whether that's like love or affection or just basic human empathy of not wanting to watch another child that you have talked to die yes yeah, like, someone your age like like they are all affected by these deaths and yeah a lot of them bond with their tributes yes like some of them I think you know kind of keep it more in the space of like oh this sucks that I got knocked out of the competition Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are like uh, wanting the best that they can do for these kids in this situation and I think Coriolanus is too but like it's always with the the thought of like what do I get out of it right yes absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah even when Lucy Gray is like shining he's like okay, but they're cheering for her and not for me. And I don't feel good about that. Mm. And it's like, bro, <laughs> you're not the one dying in the arena. Like you need to, you need to be stopped. Yes, absolutely. And just take another 64 years, 65. <laughs> so the students, um, I think like Snow and a couple other students, uh, namely someone named Clemencia, um, they, they're all like, we're going to get together and write this proposal. And if Dr. Gall r- likes it, she's going to implement it in the hunger games this year. So that's really cool. So like, okay, so before we go to write our paper, let's all go to the zoo and just check in on our tributes. Um, and let's go and feed them because they're hungry. However, one of, one of the mentors, uh, one of the capital children is, uh, has, she's brought food for her tribute. But the tribute is kind of like trying to, is, is, is hungry, starving. It's trying to grab the sandwich. The mentor does not like the way that this tribute is attempting to take the food and she keeps pulling it away from the tribute at the last minute um, and is like teasing her. And as the mentor like kind of turns to the crowd to be like, what are you going to do about these animals? The tribute grabs a knife that the student left lying on the rock that they're eating on and slits the girl's throat and that mentor dies. And it was that was like the first moment we were like, "Uh, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, fuck, these little rich kids, some of them ain't gonna make it out of here. Oh, fuck. Which which brings me to an interesting question I think I think I can get away with talking about here without you having read the third part yet, is um, how many Hunger Games were taking place this year? Oh, uh, <laughs> like at least two? At, at least, least two, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. Dr. Gall had some, uh, to me, like some motivations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dr. Gall's trying to, trying to pick the strongest of the pack here. Absolutely. Because the mentors are dying at an alarming rate, uh, as well as the tributes, even before the games have begun. So th- this is like the first... Because uh, then, of course, her her tribute is killed for, for killing a capital child. Uh, and so those are our first two casualties. And it's it's kind of morbid because um, Snow keeps like they have a they have a dos not a dossier, but like a list, list. of everyone. And yeah. Participating. And he's like crossing them off. And at first he's like not crossing off the names of the capital people. Mm-hmm. But then he gets to a point where he's like, well, it doesn't make sense not to. And he starts crossing off their names, too, which I was like, oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up. You grew up with these kids. <laughs> but because, um, I mean, they're the the district kids are Lucy's comp- Lucy Gray's competition and mm-hmm. the capital kids are his. Are his. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to be the last one standing. Uh-huh. And I, and again, I do think that this is fully like a test on Dr. Gall's part of like, is Snow strong enough to to survive it? And, you know, like how how is it going to turn out for him? Because she does have this like weird interest in him all throughout mm-hmm. these first two parts. Um, so anyway, so so he goes, they're like, we still have to write this paper. And the others are like, we're too sad. The like, and what are you talking about? And Snow's <laughs> like, whatever. I'm not going to sleep tonight anyway. I'll just write the proposal, which he does. And then uh, he, he wakes up the next morning and the girl, Clemencia, is like, okay, just tell her we both wrote it, okay? Uh, and, and so she she goes on to talk to Dr. Gall about like, these are the parts that I did. I, I typed it up and printed it out at my house. And Snow picked it up from my house and brought it here. Dr. Gall says, do you have a copy of um, the proposal that you wrote for me? Because unfortunately, my copy of it went towards the lining, towards my snake cage that my I have here. That's assistant. full my of beautiful snakes. Do you see them? Rainbow colored snakes, like rainbow. a rainbow colored dress. Um, yeah, Lucy Gray wears a rainbow colored dress, by the way. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so the she's got snakes. You know, she did the snakes. snake thing. She, she's doing the snake thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's like, oh, the assistant, <laughs> silly assistant. Like they, they put the paper in here. Do you have another copy? Yes. And Clemencia is like, no, I only printed out one. Do you have one, Snow? And he's like, no. Why? Why the fuck are you trying to pin this on me? So Doctor Gall, in like her fucked up way, is like, okay, well then, just reach into my snake cage and pull out the papers. You first, Clemencia. And so Clemencia reaches doesn't, in. Doesn't Snow go first? Because oh, you're right. Snow goes in, and he's like, he pulls out some wads of paper. Yeah, you're right. And it's he, nothing he happens. In. It's totally safe. Yeah, and it's totally safe. And then it's like, okay, your turn, Clemencia. And as she reaches in to the, the cage, her arm like, fully in the no. cage. Yeah. Dr. Gall goes, oh, by the way, the cool thing about my snakes is that uh, they are very vicious, but they won't react to someone who scent that they recognize. And Snow immediately clocks on to like, those papers smelled like me. That's why they didn't attack me as Clemencia gets bitten by like 50 snakes and is Damn. screaming her head off. Snow thinks she's dying. Dr. Gall is like, <laughs> what a fucking liar. <laughs> Caught you, bitch. Caught you, bitch. And they take her to the hospital. Um, 
and they don't hear from her for a while. Like, uh, Snow does try to go to the hospital, be like, where's my friend Clemencia? But then he, he like, doesn't really want to, he, he, he feels some kind of way about this. And I don't think he knows, like, I, I think he feels guilty, but he doesn't understand that he feels a little guilty about this. But, um, he goes to the hospital, but he, like, drops off her stuff. He doesn't really want to see her, uh, and think about her being all bitten up by snakes for this little white lie that she told. And then he sees her parents rushing to the hospital anyway. So he's like, ah, she doesn't need me. Whatever. It's fine. She's fine. So, yeah, we put a pin in that for just a moment. Um, the next thing that happens is that. Um, big bomb. The big bomb. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think there's like some stuff that happens. Like there's a funeral and stuff and whatever. Um, they yes, they are, they the next big thing that happens is that they take the tribute trip on a tour of the arena where they will die. And uh, this is kind of the first year they've done this because, again, they're making it a production. They're making it a show. And um, they are kind of just all walking around here. And um, Coriolanus has snuck food out of the uni- out of the academy to bring to Lucy Gray because he hasn't been able to meet her for a couple days because of the thing that happened at the zoo where someone died. Um, so... He sneaks her some food from the academy, but the very strict rule about the academy is you're not allowed to take food out of there. Um, so he's breaking a big school rule. He wraps up some, like, this is thing. This is what got me. He wraps up like biscuits and gravy in a mm-hmm. handkerchief and puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that somehow doesn't get everywhere. He pulls out the handkerchief. He sneaks it to Lucy Gray, who then puts it in her pocket. Big pockets. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. And uh, she's like, I'll eat this later. Thank you so much. Show me around the arena. And Snow's like, I'd be happy to. And then bombs go off. The arena's been bombed. Everything, absolute chaos. Snow. Now, I um, don't know if this confirms in the third part, but this is definitely uh, Dr. Gall, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot say. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot say. Um, the. Uh, Yes, there, there, there is a bomb, and children die. Uh, mentors die, tributes die. Someone just fully loses both their legs and dies later. Um, some Bad get di- people mad at the rebels. Yeah, yeah. Set a bomb. Exactly. Some Blame tributes run away or try to run away and are shot dead trying to escape. Marcus, though, Marcus, the 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 boy from District Two, he vanishes. They they don't know what happened to him. Um, Snow kind of goes into this. He's got he's got all kinds of trauma from the war, right? And and he, he is quickly taken to a place uh, in his mind when he was much younger, and he was uh, they were trying to um, just listening to the bombs fall um, all around them in the capital when the rebels were bombing them, and he kind of goes back into that mental state. And um, a beam falls on him that's on fire, and he starts catching on fire, and the only person around him is Lucy Gray. And he's like calling to her for help. And Lucy Gray has this moment where she looks behind her and it's kind of implied later. She never like says anything about this to him, but it's implied that like maybe she's looking at the the others who are escaping or she's looking at an at a way out of the arena or something. And um, but she turns back and she helps Snow and she saves his life. Um, so that's nice. He doesn't die. He does have to go to the hospital, though, because he is severely burned uh, and and. Um, you know, smoke inhalation and all that. So 
Lucy Gray, who's also burned all the tributes who are injured, actually shuffled back off to the zoo. There's a veterinarian there that's caring for them. And Snow, in his mind, is like, I'm sure she'll be okay. The veterinarian there is top notch. (laughs) Buddy. My guy. (laughs) So he's in hospital for a couple days. The the games have been delayed um, because of this. And uh, he, when he is in hospital, someone sneaks into his room. It's Clemencia. Clemencia is there. And Snow is like, girl, what has happened to you? And like she reveals, she's like, look at look at what's been fucking done to me. She like pulls away her shirt. She's got scales now, like scales that look exactly like the snakes. And Snow's like, uh, what? <laughs> and she's like how like what where what has why does that doesn't everyone think i'm dead like no one has been to visit me and he's like your parents i saw them here at the hospital she's like no i haven't seen them so she's been like secreted away and she says promise me when you get out of the hospital you will go to my parents and tell them what has happened to me and that you will come back and visit me and try to fight to get me out of this hospital because they are keeping me here and they're not telling me how long i'm gonna have to stay et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Snow is like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. He doesn't do that. There's a spoiler. He doesn't, he do, doesn't that. do that. He, he doesn't do that. He fully, he gets out of the hospital and he goes, I can't worry about that right now. She seemed fine. <laughs> and just, just doesn't do anything eczema. about it at all. It's just a little, little bit of eczema. It's just it's, a little bit of sca- rainbow colored scales. It's fine. <laughs> Ugh. So, um, anyway, he, um, <laughs> he, he gets out of the hospital and a couple days pass and then they do the interviews, the interviews the night before the games. And, um, it's a, it's an ancestor of Caesar Flickerman is hosting <laughs> the interviews. His name is Lucretius Flickerman and he's like the weatherman slash an amateur mu- magician. He's like so, so hilariously bad at his job. I loved him. And he um, goes by Lucky. Yes, he goes by Lucky. He's going to be played by Jason Schwartzman in the movie, which... Oh. I'm very excited about that. Um, but anyway, they do they do the interviews and um, Snow borrows a guitar from this man that owns a nightclub that he's kind of known for like being the black market here in the capital. Um, he fences goods and all that. He borrows a, a um, guitar from him because he used to own a nightclub. And he gets it for Lucy Gray to play. And even though, like, her hands are healed from the veterinarian, but her voice is still really raspy from all that smoke she was breathing in from the bombing. But she sings the song. She's like, don't worry. This is, I know the perfect song for my raspy voice. This is the perfect song for me. I got uh, it. And it's a song called The Ballad of Lucy Gray Baird that she she had been writing for a while, but didn't know how to end the song until very recently, as in, like, since she's been in the Capitol. And uh, she sings it, and it's very obvious that it is about a uh, man who had she had or loved in woman. the past. Huh? Mayor's daughter could be a woman. Or mayor's daughter is a person she loved in the past, <laughs> who um, betrayed d- her. Betrayed her. Yes, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Who betrayed her in some terrible way, and everyone loved it. Um, but Snow is jealous of the person she's singing about. Kind does of not like that they are the reason that she's in the Hunger Games, which is why I'm like, it's the mayor's daughter. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm right. Yeah, I think I've you're right. I changed too. my mind from what I said earlier about how I know I'm not right. And now I think I'm right. I think you're right. Okay, yeah. great. 
But yeah, so she puts on a good show. And also by this point, like Dr. Gall has seen the paper that Snow wrote about like we should add gambling and we should add, you know, uh, being able to send things into the tributes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to use that idea in this year's Hunger Games. So like so many, so many monies are coming to Snow so that he can feed Lucy Gray in the Hunger Games. And he's like, girl, I love you also. Uh, and she's like, I, f- I have some feelings for you, too. And they do some kissing. And he's like, I'm going to keep you alive. Uh, you know, I'll be with you even though I'm 100% not with you. I'm on the outside with no threat to my life. But I'll I will never be with be you there. In that arena, you'll never be alone. And she's like, I believe you. And they do some kissing. And um, as a token of like, he loves, he's like, this is how you'll know I'm with you in the arena. He gives her this old like, compact that was his mom's that she used to have like her rose scented powder in this is like his his comfort thing that he's always like opening and sniffing whenever he feels scared or sad or whatever um which is like to me just a very funny mental image but you know it's also probably sad and touching but he uh he gives this to her with the implication that she could put something in there in order to help her kill the other tributes the other thing being rat poison from the zoo because the rats are a huge problem they're biting people they got rabies one of the tributes the other tribute from district 12 jessup has been bitten by something on his leg and it hurt him real bad uh and they tried to put down this poison but the rats are too smart to eat the poison so there's lots of poison just laying on the ground he's like maybe you could put something in here and it could help you out in the hunger games maybe just an idea maybe an idea you could have all right she also, I think, um, gives him back the handkerchief, maybe? Yes, because it's important that he has it for the thing. With yes. His, uh, uh. So I think she yeah. gives it back to him as just like a, hey, thanks for thanks for the food. Here's your hanky back. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, thank you. I will remember you through this hanky. And then the Hunger Games start. Um, One of the male tributes, again, has died again, even before the... The, the games began like he just got real sick and died and that was kind of sad but so so basically the setup for the hunger games is we are we are fully like on the outside of it uh in a way that we definitely were not in the first trilogy or the original trilogy i keep saying first trilogy when i refer to them like yeah. this is this is not a, it felt like it, this book just felt so long it was like a trilogy <laughs> um but so we are like fully spectators in this and i really and i don't want to say i enjoyed that because it was icky in its own way but like it was an interesting perspective to have like what goes on behind the scenes during the games um but basically this is just like a series of them watching children die the mentors having varying levels of like excitement and sadness and uh like empathy and just like or sociopathy like it's just like there's a lot of stuff going on here highlights yeah. Marcus, the one from District 2 who ran away. He didn't get run away. He got caught. He's hung up oh. at the in the arena, and it's uh-huh. real sad. Uh, basically, he's the first one who actually gets get, gets got because when the other tributes climbs up there, kills him. Puts Probably him a mercy killing. Yeah. Probably a mercy killing. Um, one of the tributes, that same one, is just hanging out on, like, a high beam strapped in because she was, like, lumber. She's tribute. from Lumbertown. Yeah. She's from Lumbertown. A uh, group of other tributes teams up. They eventually get her down and then turn on each other. Um, mm-hmm. 
the tribute who was like, I'm going to kill everyone seems unless I miss something to have done literally no killing and is just he, yeah. uh, collecting bodies and covering them. He was with, like the, the most flag. intimidating one. He was like this big guy. His from, name is Reaper. From 11. His, His name, name is, is Reaper. Reaper. So he's this big buff guy. And uh, he basically spends the whole time. So he sees um, one of the one of the um, tributes gets poisoned kind of early on. And so from that moment on, he's like, I don't trust any of these fucking I don't trust any food, any water or anything. So he's surviving by drinking water out of puddles on the ground of the arena. That's it. And all he does is he just like chills in the stands. And then when someone dies, he cuts off a piece of the Pan Am flag and puts it over them and put, and has everyone lined up, up like yeah. in a morgue. Yeah, that's all he does. Which like, I see why they added the helicopters later so that absolutely that be a repeat thing. Um, yes. The Jessup, who is the teammate slash district, you know, the boy from the District 12. Yeah. Um, he is revealed he's gotten rabies from that bite and he has a little rabies fit. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is how hydrophobia works. I, I don't could think be so wrong. either. I'm pretty sure because I did look it up and it's like so the the way it happens in this book is that he has rabies so they send um a water into Lucy just to Lucy Gray to just drink because it's the first and, time he's seen her in the game so he yeah, just so he's starts like I gotta send stuff water yeah. um so he sends the water and then Jessup sees the water in a bottle and is like I hate this terrified hate this. freaks out but like the 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 reason that people are afraid of water isn't that they're afraid of water necessarily it's that like when they they can't try drink to drink it, right? it, it they choke yeah. yeah. So like he wasn't like the sight of water. Anything. I don't think is a trigger. But yeah. I've never had rabies. I've so never I had don't rabies. Know. And I mean, like I guess maybe like if you are associating water with pain, but like I feel like he would have had to have tried to drink a few times before that association would kick in. You know? Yeah. Um, because they they were like, oh, he's afraid of water. We're gonna spam him with water. And basically, his mentor is like, let me do it because I've got money for him, and like this is a shitty fucking way to die um, mm-hmm. and sends him like a bunch of water and then he freaks they out They basically about it. chase him off of like yeah. he falls a great height yeah. uh, because he's running away from the bottles of water which talking about is very funny but is not funny in the book. <laughs> and then Lucy of course goes Lucy Gray goes and like is like sorry about it Jessup and is very like. Yeah she stays with him and sings she does she does the catness she does thing. the catness. She stays with him when he's dying yes. Yeah. Because he had, they had kind of had an alliance and he had promised he would protect her and yada, yada, yada. He was going to be the muscle. She was going to be the brain sort of situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then one night, like kind of like they, they, the, the mentors are like going home and sleeping in the evenings because nothing is really happening at night in the arena because this is not as fully orchestrated as they are in the future. And then with, with Marcus, uh, Sejane does break into the Oh, I arena. forgot about that. Yeah, so he, his, uh, Marcus's mom, or no, so Jane's mom comes to talk to uh, the Snows and is like, have you seen my boy? And then they're like, nah, and, but Coralinus will forgot. escort you back to the your car. And they're walking and like they see the Hunger Games on TV or whatever. And she's like, and he's like, I'm really sorry. I'll keep an eye out for him. And she's like, don't need to. He's right there. Um, and he has broken into the arena and like not really broken in, just kind of like walked in basically. Walked in, yeah. Um, not that much security in this respect. And he has climbed up to try to get Marcus's body down. And they yeah, have he's like, like sprinkling breadcrumbs on him. As yes, a tr- which that's is what a, they do in District, District 2. Thing, yes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he gets a call from 
Dr. Gall and she's like, get your ass down here. You're his friend. <laughs> you need to get your bestie out of the arena. And Stella's like, him. he's not really my bestie. And she's like, yes, he is. We all know it. So <laughs> he goes in and is like, bro, this is like wild shit. And uh, so Jane's basically like, fuck all this. Fuck everything. I hate everything. And uh, Coriolanus is basically like, you're not going to do any good by doing this. Like you need to calm down and like, like you need to use so your you money and influence in a smarter your power way. for good right yeah um and then he's like okay well i'm not gonna leave him up there so they start moving the body and then uh-huh. um like the other tributes kind of get wind and they're like kill the capital let, kids let's like who's gonna like what are they gonna do kill us you know so they decide uh, we're gonna try to take out some of these little capital kids fuck them uh-huh. um and they eventually get out but not before coriolanus does have to kill one of the tributes by yes. beating him brutally to death with a board with a board uh but then they get out and uh sejanus is like damn i'm real sorry i got you into this mess and snow is like i want nothing in his mind he's like i want nothing more to do with you or your family like stay the fuck away from me and mine but aloud he's like don't worry about it bro bro. we're besties i'm always gonna be here to save you don't worry about it i love you and he's like thanks man um even more fucked up because then from this moment on like both of his parents too are like you are a hero to us you saved our boy you went into the arena and almost died and you saved our boy and his and and <laughs> so janice's parents like also love snow and he's just like this whole fucking family he's sitting there <laughs> going how can i blackmail his dad yes well he goes <laughs> to the house later fully expecting to be rewarded monetarily by them like doesn't does he he he, he goes to the house and it's in it on page with the intention of being thanked. He went there to go be thanked for the thing that he did. He goes there, though, and he says, I just wanted to check in on Sejanus and make sure he's feeling okay. And Ma's like, well, yeah, he's sleeping right now, but come on and let me feed you. And my husband wants to talk to you. And the husband kind of, like, tries to get a stock of what kind of man Snow is. But then, like, basically just says thank you and sends Snow on his way. And Snow's like, I cannot fucking believe they did not offer me any money. <laughs> Bro. She's <laughs> like, my guy, my guy. Uh, and then eventually, like, there's one evening that Snow ends up at the uh, the university, or not university, I keep saying it, the academy, the Citadel, whatever they want to call this building, where Dr. Gall works. Um, and it's with the intention of, like, either dropping off a paper for her or going to talk to her or something. But he runs across some of her lab assistants who are pushing around a big old pile of snakes, rainbow-colored snakes. And he's like, I know those snakes. They're, they're probably up to no good with that because Dr. Gall has promised a big surprise for the um tributes on television that day she's like we're gonna have a big surprise tomorrow and he sees the snakes and he kind of makes the connection of like those snakes are going to be the big surprise and the thing i remember about those snakes from when they bet bit clemencia who is now out of the hospital at this point we did not mention she is out of the hospital at this point and really fucking pissed that snow did not come to to see her or help save her or anything and he's just like well you'll get over it i guess i don't care i don't know and she does and then she, she does. Really That's does. the part that pisses me off. She does get over it. Because he, he talks her into it by being all, oh, gosh, I should have done more Clemencia while thinking, like, yeah. I don't know, and, her shit. And he hugged her when the, when the snakes appeared on TV. Yes. When she was scared of them. So anyway, but he, he remembers that the snakes will not harm you if they recognize your smell. And he very conveniently has the handkerchief on him still that he had given to Lucy Gray uh, and... Uh, Lucy, and he has not washed it, I guess. It still smells like Lucy Gray. So he drops the handkerchief into the snake tank and he's like, This, I've done all of I can to save my uh, tribute. The next day on TV, the snakes are there. 
They are going after everyone, biting them all up, killing all kinds of people. And, and they, except they put for the snakes in there as revenge because they haven't previously interfered in the yeah. like games themselves. But they add the snakes for revenge for the bombings. Was that it, or was it something, something like else? that? Yeah. Some other thing about some. Oh, it was because one of the the kids who was injured in the bombings had just died. That's so right. Like, yeah. So they're the like boy with no legs. Fuck you guys. We're gonna put snakes in here to torture your kids. Um, yeah. And also, we probably wanted to do this anyway, and just need an excuse because this yeah. makes for better television. And this is gonna be a running theme in ongoing Hunger Games, as I'm sure you can guess. Um. But so yeah. So so the snakes go after everyone. They're biting them all. They're killing kids. But then Lucy Gray starts singing to the snakes and they all are enthralled by this and they go to her and they're like dancing and shit. And she like takes the snakes and picks them up in her skirt and then leaves with them. I wasn't quite sure what happened because the scene kind of cuts away from what happens to Lucy Gray. She does have a snake that she keeps for later. She has um, a pocket snake. She has a, yeah, the traditional pocket snake one takes with them to the Hunger Games. <laughs> and she, Doctor, she always had a pocket snake. She just hadn't refreshed since the last, she, uh, you know, yeah. pocket snake. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know, when there's nothing alive in the zoo, <laughs> it's hard to pick up a new snake. Um, Dr. Gall is pissed about this because she, she really, you know, thought she was going to get them all. But here comes Lucy Gray, untouched by the snakes. One, because they know what she smells like. And two, because of her beautiful song that she sings to the snakes. Um, and there's also a couple other ones that survive. But then Lucy mm-hmm. kills the she one girl. She poisons with, a couple. She kills one by, uh, they were running at her, like, to kill her. And she, like, surprised them by, like, basically leaping into their arms. But then applies snake the snake directly she to the forehead. applies the pocket snake. <laughs> <laughs> Head on. Um, snake on. Yeah. And then the last one is the one that is covering is the bodies. Yeah. Reaper. And she basically, like starts messing with the body so that he has to keep like messing with the covering and stuff so he'll have to keep coming and fixing it uh-huh and he until has he, eaten nothing this whole until time until he uh, tires out puddle wise yes and and um it turns out that that lucy gray had poisoned the puddle that he was drinking out of like she makes a big show out of like kind of like rinsing her mouth out with some puddle water but um she was secretly poisoning it and then reaper came over and I drank know that. it huh i don't know if i know that yet oh is that? I don't think it's a. I thought it was. Re- that might be at the very beginning of part three. I okay, don't know. Okay. Because I was um, like, I I thought that he just ran himself to death. He yeah he gets so tired and he has to go drink from the puddle and then. Hmm. Then he dies. Then he dies and she's the winner. She's the victor, and everyone and then so she's winning and then it cuts away from Lucy Gray entirely. We don't see what happens to her, after she's announced the winner. We cut to snow. Uh, everyone is cheering for him. Some of his friends have lifted up his chair and they're dancing him around. He's getting fucking drunk. And then he's summoned by Dean Highbottom, Nasty Professor Snape Highbottom. And he says, hey, boyo, you enjoying having won the Hunger Games? Well, guess what, bitch? And then he like reveals on his desk. There's his mother's compact. There is the handkerchief he dropped into the snake tank. And uh, then he's, he's like, here's, here's evidence of you interfering you can either choose to be uh expelled or you can become a peacekeeper he doesn't even say it he doesn't even say it in the scene it's just like he shows it to him and then like it's like uh Coriolanus left the office uh went to became a peacekeeper within five minutes yeah register as a peacekeeper as agreed or whatever yeah and it's like damn yes which is already like had been stated as like an option he did not want to take because 
like where do you go you can't rise up from there from being a peacekeeper like you're just stuck in the districts until the end of your days and he didn't want to do that and uh yeah that's what he ended up doing wild absolutely wild and that's the end of part two that's the end of part two and there's so much there's half a book aren't you glad anna we split this in two i am yeah yeah i really am um so so what do you think what are what are the okay here's my theories yeah what are the things you're most interested in finding out about and what are your theories so obviously there's something going on with like lucy gray backstory i don't know if i actually want to know about that necessarily but i'm Mm. guessing it will get revealed in some way um I think that Lucy Gray hates him. I Mm -hmm. think that she is, has been using him. I mean, like, how can one in this position really be uh, considered to be using anyone? But I think that she is uh, manipulating him just as he has been trying to manipulate her and everyone else. Mm -hmm. I think she's just better at it. Um, Because, like, everything, like, even though, like, when she saved his life, he takes that as like she cares about him and it's like no yeah. bro number one he she saw the people escaping getting she shot. saw people dying so she knew that was stupid and she also at this point i think like has realized that the only way that she's going to get through this or actually i don't really think that she even thinks the only way i think that she thinks that she could have done it no matter what but it would be easier with a patsy on the outside right mm-hmm. to slip her poison or do whatever i think that she was like "Eh, it's easier to keep him alive than not right um so that's that's my feelings lucky for all of panem she saved snow's life yeah yeah she had the chance what a great what a great job (laughs) um i think that this can end three ways in order to get us to president snow as we know him Uh i think either he is the first two ways i hope it it doesn't go this way um Lucy dies somehow or is taken away from him in some way, which is uh, uh, stated to be the fault of the districts, but is not really probably is actually the capital. Um, And so he's so bitter about that. He's so bitter about the loss of his first love that he becomes this terrible old man. I don't think that would be good. I'm really hoping it doesn't go that way. Um, Second option, uh, Lucy rejects him in some way which again i think that is a shitty backstory to be like oh um why is this I, man evil because a woman because a woman rejected because me. a woman didn't like him right yeah. my personal opinion of how this should end and how i'm hoping it will end is that he is put in a position where he can either save lucy gray or get power in some way and he chooses power I think that he is going to be in the position where he has to choose Lucy Gray or something he wants. Maybe it will be save her life. Maybe it will be like an emotional thing. I don't know. But he will betray Lucy Gray in order to get power. That's what I think is going to be the uh, the the moments that he becomes President Snow is where it is. He doesn't care about other people. He doesn't care about this woman he supposedly loves. I think that's going to be like the end of their relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hiding my face from you, so you can't see. Yeah, my for sure. Facial expression. Um, I think I've already said. I think that the director or the the dean is not like evil, evil. I think that he feels immense guilt about everything he did to create the Hunger Games, um, and is trying to ameliorate that as much as possible. Um, whether he actually hates uh, Snow or not, I don't know. But like, could go either way with that. But I don't think that he's like. I think he's kind of the haymitch of the situation where he's trying to do the best in the situation he's been presented um and made a very dumb 
uh, said a very dumb thing at one point, and that uh, led to the death of 230 children so far. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that uh, Tigris, I feel like uh, it is either going to be directly stated or implied that Tigris eventually becomes one of Dr. Gall's uh, mutations in some way, that it is not a fashion thing, that it is believed to be at during the Hunger Games. Um, I think that she undergoes some sort of genetic engineering against her will, and that is, uh, or it is implied that that might happen to her in the future. Um, so that's what I think is going to happen with Tigress. I think uh, Grandmam's going to die because old women got to die. Um, <laughs> old women got to die. <laughs> old women got to die. Uh, I think Sir Janus obviously is going to get killed at some point because he's too too good, too sweet for this world. Mm. Um, I think Clemencia and Snow might end up together because mm. they're kind of like we know that Snow eventually uh, does have a family. So I feel like they might be like, yeah, he starts a a political alliance here with Clemencia seems like the only one that would be an option at this point. Um, also, there's a lot of symbolism of songbirds and snakes. And obviously, uh, Lucy Gray is songbird and Clemencia is literally a snake. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like there's there's that possibility in terms of I don't think it'll be like a romance thing. But I think that that might be like set up as like, OK, so this is who he ends up with. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we know he has he ends up with kids and grandkids. Um, I think that might be it. Obviously, I'm very interested to see kind of where the peacekeeper thing goes, because I think the natural inclination would be that he goes out into the districts and sees that they are treated terribly and uh, takes their side on things. But we know that that is not what is going to go down. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I was I was looking at Snow's uh, the the Hunger Games wiki. I was looking at Snow's mm-hmm. entry just to see if they listed like a spouse or anything. Um, and I won't say anything about that. But it's funny because like 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 the tributes, like there's a weapon section, you know, for mm-hmm. everyone just to say what weapons they use. And the first weapon is poison because like we learn about in Mockingjay from Finnick, like how Snow has previously poisoned people. And then the other one is just plank. <laughs> nice. From the I also have two, Games. two other kind of blank. maybe wild theories. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, which I think you've already disproved one of them because I was like, maybe Lucy Gray didn't actually poison anyone, you know, mm. like that he's just reading into her this like malicious intent and ability to do bad things that she doesn't actually have, which I don't think it's a bad thing to have poisoned people. But like, I think that you could make that argument, you know, of mm. like, oh, she's actually a very good person and he wants her to be like as fucked up as he is, you know, mm-hmm. Um but I think with you stating that he, she poisoned the one dude, I think that I could have sworn she, they said that. It, it might have been, and I just when it happened. It. I'm sorry it if I spoiled anything. It's fine. It's fine. Apologies. Um, <laughs> and then my other theory that I think is also probably disproved by things that are said in the first two sections of the book, and I just can't recall them or bring them to mind right now, is that Clemencia isn't real, um, and she died from the snake thing, mm, and that would every, be neat. everything after that has been like his guilt hallucinations because like uh, basically the the only interactions he had with her after that was. Um, going to the hospital no one else was there mm-hmm. and then her showing up at the like to do the tribute stuff mentor Sorry. stuff uh the only other like is with the tributes where she comes in and basically refuses to give supplies to her tribute and i'm like yeah because yeah, she's a ghost <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't exist i think those are all my theories so we'll see uh how that plays out some of them more wild than others absolutely 
very excited for you to read this. <laughs> and usually this would be the point where we would say, uh, but you'll have to wait a couple weeks for that. But not this time, gang, because this is a two-parter. You can wait till next week. We are going to be releasing the second part of this next Monday. Uh, the week after that, I know we said Midnight Bayou is coming up, gang, and stuff. Schedules happen and holidays happen and we, we're moving stuff around. So I'm sorry. Yes. Um, Ballad of Snakes, Songbird of Snakes Part 2 next week. The week after that, um, we're going to be taking a break from recording for the week of Thanksgiving. So that is going to be a dark week on the podcast. I might put up a, a throwback episode, but probably not because um, it's just the one week rather than like a, a multi-vacation. The summer, and then yeah. Mm-hmm. The week after that, uh, December 4th, we will be covering Midnight Bayou. Yes. By Nora Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to diving into that author's work. If you have anything, uh, if you have any suggestions for what you'd like for us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love it or hate it, you can tweet at us at ShuffleWareCast or email us ShuffleWareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I will pocket snake. Pocket snake. Mm-hmm. Pocket snake. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of Suzanne I, Collins. I hope this is a kissing quote. Of course it is. Good. Uh, <laughs> you can't take my sass. You can't take my talking. You can kiss my ass and then keep on walking. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, Lucy Gray. I like knowing more. <laughs> for, secrets. I almost said something really mean, which was for once. Damn. Damn. I already knew what it was going to be. Damn. 